Hello and welcome to Double Stint, Sports Car 365 Sports Car Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Grace, and I'm joined this week by Sports Car 365 reporter Davey Ovama. Davey, how was your week? Oh, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, 12 hours of Magello is uh, exciting, and um, also on personal note, I got third place in the iRacing 12 hours of Sebring, so in that regard, pretty good weekend, actually. <laughs> well, good week on all fronts, then. Well, folks, we've got a great show for you today. We'll recap this weekend's racing action, bring you the news of the week, and answer some listener questions before giving you a preview of what's to come in the world of sports car racing. All that and more on this week's edition of Double Stint. Well, Davey, let's dive right in. You mentioned the 12 Hours of Magello as part of the 24-hour series. Uh, it was Herbert Motorsports on pole, but it ended up being an Audi 1-2, and the Audis looked strong really the whole way. We saw indications of that at the six-hour mark at the halfway uh, before the intervention, and then once racing resumed, uh, they really didn't look back. It was a fairly dominant win, the first international win for Haas Racing Team by the end, uh, Stefan Perrin, Matthew Detry, and Frederick Vervish. Exactly. Um, that first win, which is it's, it's actually interesting to follow the progress of our team because um, they debuted at the uh, 24 Hours of Dubai back in January. Obviously, I was there, so I sort of got to know that team a little bit. So it's interesting to see them uh, uh, go from sort of strength to strength. And, and honestly, it's not that surprising to me because I remember talking to the team boss and going, yeah, we're very ambitious. You know, we're going into GT3 straight away. We want to do well. Um, and well, here we are, three races in. First race will be a pre and leg and they're a uh, race winner. So not, not a bad way to kick things off. Absolutely. Uh, it was a race of attrition, though. We saw a, a, a 911 GT3 Cup car competing in, in the top five by the end of it when it was all said and done. Uh, lots of carnage out there, but plenty of excitement. It's interesting because GT3 cars, I guess, have sort of become known for their um, almost bulletproof reliability over the last couple of years. But this race was a bit of a uh, not necessarily in the same trend. I've, I've put sort of the list here. Um, you mentioned the, the the number 91 Herbert Motorsport Porsche started from um, from pole position. 23 laps and the gearbox failed. So that was not a good day for them. Then we had multiple crashes, one for Kessel Racing, one for CP Racing. And then there were the Land Audis, which were uh, podium contenders for a bit until especially the 55 car, which had Christopher Meese. So, you know, for him in a car, you're a contender for victory everywhere. Had a, a water leak overnight. During the overnight intervention, it had a water leak. So that fell away and there were punctures and pit lane penalties and all the likes of stuff like that so yeah like you said the number 955 willy motorsport by ebby motors porsche 911 gt3 cup car fourth overall by the end of the 12 hours so um, yeah interesting one well, plenty of excitement in Magello. We also saw in action this weekend the Porsche Sprint Challenge North America powered by Yokohama. And as always, you can read all about it in Dan Lloyd's weekly racing roundup on sportscar365.com. Well, David, let's move into talking about some of the big headlines this week, and I suppose we should start with the Spa 24 Hours. A 72-car provisional entry list revealed by SRO ahead of the Spa 24. Massive, massive amount of cars. Eight manufacturers and 19 pro-class competitors uh, for what is, has become one of the world's best races. The GT3-only field should produce plenty of excitement. There's a lot to look forward to here, a lot to unpack here, but uh, what are some of the highlights for you, Davey? But it's it's always always one of my highlights of the year this race because the the level is so high. You know, this is the one that they all want to win and they bring out the big guns. Uh, it's it's a record high entry list, seventy two cars, like you said. But I technically speaking, I guess we can sort of call this a record. But it goes back to two thousand and nineteen, which also had seventy two cars on the list. But back then there was one. You might remember this that sort of very quirky, weird nine eleven GT three cuff car that was made to look like Herbie the Beetle. Um, 
and this is just 72 GT3 cars from front to back. So I guess we can sort of call it a record in that regard. Uh, like I said, eight manufacturers. Mercedes, most represented, of course, uh, defending winners of the Codes ASP. 16 cars on the grid. So that's a fairly significant chunk of, of 72. Aston Martin has one on the very other end of the of, of the spectrum. Um, 56 out of those cars come from the Fanatec GT World Challenge uh, uh, Europe powered by AWS Endurance Cup and um, uh, a couple of others come from the Intercontinental GT Challenge powered by Pirelli um, I'm excited to see Manthai back or Manthai EMA if they should uh, uh, list them fully as they are now known it's the first time in five years that we're going to see the Grello Porsche compete at, at the Spa 24 hours so that should always be good and Group M of course in the, as part of their full globetrotting um, Intercontinental GT Challenge campaign also there with I'm hoping the, the Snake uh, Mercedes the man filter car I'm guessing it will be there so yeah just lots and lots to look forward to that race was my first time at the race last year and I was sort of blown away by how grandiose the, the whole thing was so this probably this is probably going to be even better this one well, as we said, loads to look forward to with 72 cars, and we'll keep you posted, of course, uh, as any developments come forward about lineups and, and what have you ahead of the actual 24-hour race later this year. But we're certainly looking forward to it as well. Hopping back over the pond to IMSA, Ferrari says it's not yet ready to consider a GTP program in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Of course, LMH cars are eligible to run alongside LMDH cars in both IMSA's GTP top class and WEC's Hypercar top class. Uh, and while the Ferrari has made their debut with the 50 and 51 with the new 499P uh, in Sebring as part of the WEC race, for now, Davey, they're, they're staying put and focusing on their WEC program. Yeah, that's uh, uh, something that um, we we found out from uh, Antonello Coletta, the man with one of the best names in sports car racing, in my opinion. Uh, um, uh, Daniel Lloyd uh, spoke to him, and it, it sort of makes sense, I guess, in the fact that that car, you know, it's it's in its infancy. It's still such a very very new car, and they're just completely focused on the WEC right now which i suppose purely from a strategic standpoint makes sense you know probably going to want to make sure that if if you do consider going over there that you have a car that's ready for it as opposed to doing it now and 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 making perhaps a bit of a fool of yourself um Coletta said that the the topic of bringing that car over to the WeatherTech Championship will be considered at some point, but he says it won't even happen before the 24 hours of Le Mans, which, of course, the thing that everybody is focused on right now. Um, They're sort of going step by step, but there is an incentive for Ferrari to uh, eventually make that move. And and, and the incentive, of course, is that the US market is is massive for Ferrari. Out of all of the cars they sell across the world, just over a quarter of it, come from the united states it's, it's an enormous market for ferrari so there is an incentive there to, to make that trek and make that journey uh but yeah not yet not yet and we've kind of seen this with some of the lmh manufacturers competing in hypercar you know there were talks of could toyota come over could peugeot come over and, and everyone said no for now we're, we're gonna stay put um, but you got to think this convergence has happened uh, for a reason. When you look back on it, Super Sebring was a huge success in, in terms of convergence. Uh, and I think we've, we've been a bit spoiled with seeing some of those cars cross over and happen right away. But, you know, kind of to your point, it, it's a huge logistical feat to, to make that happen. And you don't want to make that jump in unless you're ready. Uh, it, it's a lot for a program in its first year with a fully bespoke car uh, to, 
to even get up on, and running. I mean, look at Peugeot and, and kind of the difficulties they've had. They have a, a bit of a, a, a revolutionary, a different concept with their car arrow wise. But you can see all, all the all that it's taking to get their two car program running up in WEC. And uh, while Ferrari's weekend was maybe slightly less dramatic than the opening couple of rounds for Peugeot, it's still still a Herculean effort uh, to get these cars going and get them going in a reliable way. And I mean, yeah, the thing is, if a LMH manufacturer were to make that venture, I could definitely see it being Ferrari as opposed to Toyota or Peugeot. Toyota, for one, I think uh, uh, they've said that that is not something that is very high on their list of priorities, despite the fact that Toyota, of course, does have a pretty massive market in, in the United States. Peugeot, on the other hand, doesn't. As far as I'm aware, Peugeot doesn't sell any cars in the United States. So even from that standpoint, there's, there's no real reason for them to, to make that track. And again, like I said, Ferrari, over 25% of their cars are, are sold stateside. So they have that incentive. I think they have also probably, you know, they've got the infrastructure to do it um, and they've got the incentive to do it. So if any LMH manufacturer were to make that track, I could definitely see it being Ferrari being the first one. But again, we'll have to wait for it just a little bit. Well, either way, we'll, we'll definitely keep you posted as this story develops. But for now, Ferrari is focusing on their world championship program. Another exciting thing to, to look forward to in terms of cars and new cars is the Ford Mustang GT3 broke cover testing at Sebring. Sounds fantastic. It looks great. It was testing it at a track where, you know, it's always nice to hear a car, especially a good sounding car, go over the bumps at Sebring. It's just, just pleasing to the senses. Uh, but the car looks fantastic. It's the first time we've really gotten to see the thing. Aside from the renders that Ford has released previously, the first time we've gotten to hear the car, uh, they were doing some testing after the Super Sebring event. Uh, and as we said, everybody seems to be pretty excited about this one yeah i wonder how many journalists that were at super sebring would have maybe rebooked their flights a bit and maybe got a, a hotel for a couple of nights just to be there when that thing would hit the track because like i said those videos they were pretty short but they were pretty amazing yeah like i said a uh, multi-matic built car five liter v8 and this is what i love about american racing in particular you see that the european manufacturers going you know, slightly down. You still got V8s and V6s, but they're almost all turbochargers. And then the Americans go, nope, we're just going to go with a naturally aspirated V8 because that's the way we've always done it, and we're going to do it until the end of time. And it's fantastic. It's it's a very good sounding car. Uh, it was uh, its first test outing in public, as far as we know, at all. Um, and it was not alone. Actually, it was uh, together with um, that other American GT3 car that's going to be coming, uh, the Corvette, the Chevy Corvette, and with Toyota, we're doing their, uh, I think, only sort of pre-Le Mans endurance test here. Um, so I guess this was also very useful uh, for all parties involved to sort of get some of that data uh, with the GT3 cars running with a hypercar and perhaps Toyota running with a, uh, with, with a set of GT3 cars preparing for the switch to GT3 regulations in the WEC in 2024. Absolutely. Well, you can't quite call it practice running in traffic it's definitely good practice you know uh for the gt3 cars to have the hypercar go past you and manage it that way and, and for toyota as well uh just that little extra sense of realism to have to navigate some traffic uh obviously the corvette everybody's excited about as well but uh we're, we're getting a fairly good collection davy of really good sounding american cars on the grid in in the in the world championship and in imsa it's uh as an american myself it's it's uh, selfishly fairly nice to see it's nice how you all are sort of sticking to your V8 guns and, and bringing <laughs> uh, bringing the big noises over to Europe. It's, it's very nice. Uh, it has to be done. It has to be done. <laughs> 
Um, Alpine is, quote, preparing for the future, unquote, with its LMP2 driver lineup. Their hypercar drivers, Andre Negrau and Mathieu Vexivier, uh, as a part of their P2 campaign. Nicolas Lapierre involved in development, but competing in the European Le Mans series and as well as the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Alpine has also enlisted the help of Ali Caldwell and Charles Milesi uh, and S- Silver Drivers Memo Rojas and Julian Canal, although Rojas and Canal said not to, quote, be a part of the, you know, quote unquote, future of the program. Obviously, Alpine is building an LMDH car and this whole program in P2 is to help keep everybody frosty and sharp ahead of that uh, LMDH car that uh, will presumably run in the hypercar class over in, in the WEC. Um, but it, it makes a lot of sense here that, that the French team with Signatech is is using their current lineup, uh, Silver's side, to, to help prepare on that front for, for their LMDH campaign. Absolutely. You said Silver's side is as good as Memoro has and Julien Canal are. They are obviously there because regulations mandate that you run Silver to drivers in the LMP2 cars. But the other four, like you said, Negrau, Faxavier, Malaysia, and Caldwell, um, I would be very surprised if we do not see them ultimately ending up um, in, in those cars. Negrau and Faxavier don't really need an introduction on that front. They've already been in hypercar with Alpine. The other two are interesting, I'd say. Malaysia, um obviously ran last year with the Richard Mill Racing Team, which was a car that was run by Senior Tech, and then there's Caldwell, which is a newcomer to, to endurance racing. He, I think, won LMP2 race with ARC Bratislava in Bahrain at some point, but he comes from the Alpine Academy, he was in Formula 2 uh, um, with Alpine backing. And, you know, not everybody can make it to Formula 1, of course, but this is it, it's increasingly, of course, endurance racing being a very viable alternative career path. And uh, um, specifically with regards to Malaysia and Caldwell, we, we spoke to uh, Philippe Sino, um from Sainte, and he basically said, "Yeah, if we weren't considering them, they would not be in those cars." So that's you know kind of a a pretty big hint as to where their futures uh, futures lie. Heart of Racing is looking at quote all avenues end quote for a 2024 LMGT3 effort. Uh, Ian James and company are, are trying their hardest to get into the World Championship. We saw them obviously on the reserve list for Le Mans. Uh, we know they've had plenty of success stateside in, in the North American Championship in IMSA, trying to expand a little bit into the World Championship as well, Davey. Yeah, and the, and the big reveal on that front, which uh, team principal Ian James um, uh, revealed to our John de Guise, is that they had actually filed a full season GTE AM entry into the World Endurance Championship, but obviously they didn't make it in. They were placed as the first reserve by the selection committee. Like I said, they were 10th reserve for Le Mans, which has been pulled. Um, it you know, would have likely come with some logistical support from uh, ProDrive back in the UK, um, probably some factory driver in there somewhere. And James said that, close, uh, quote, we were very close um, but I guess it's you can't keep them down because, like I said, it's a it's a program that is expanding and expanding. If you mean look at the series that they're doing now, you've got WeatherTech Championship. There's two cars in Pirelli GT4 America, and of course um, we did mention them early in the recap for the 12 Hours of Magello, but they were there with confusingly enough a Mercedes, but they were there. Um, so yeah, it, like James says, we like to be ambitious, and obviously with gt3 coming in for the 2024 season it's a it's a massive opportunity um and i guess we can sort of maybe sort of see where it is going because if you remember last year the 24 hours of spa they were there in a t of sport run aston martin so maybe that's you know t of sport is rumored to be looking at other manufacturers but just 
as a general idea of what a hard of racing GT3 Aston Martin in Europe could look like, um, even though it's probably going to be an in-house thing and TF Sport is not going to be, probably not going to be involved in that. Yeah, we we've seen kind of the indications of hard of racing trying to expand over the last couple of years. I mean, you you look you you talked to it there, Davey. The scope of their program, they're uh, obviously competing in the WeatherTech Championship. They're competing uh, overseas in in the twenty four hour series and what have you. They're they're doing all kinds of stuff. They're they're competing in Formula Drift. They're competing in junior categories. They're developing their own driver pipeline. So the World Championship does seem like a, a fairly logical next step from a perspective of hoping everybody can come to the party. Uh, it, it would be cool to see them in twenty twenty four in. in in the WEC. Yeah, and let's be honest, um, they could hang with the best of them without a shadow of a doubt. They are world championship material team. I'm I'm absolutely convinced of that. Absolutely, yeah. You look at the the success they've had in other categories, and it's they're they're a sure bet for sure. Uh, we'll throw some other quick headlines at you before we move on with the show. Tower has partnered with TDS for Le Mans, and they signed Ricky Taylor and Rene Rast. Tower has made a bit of a habit of high-profile signings recently, having enlisted the help of NTT IndyCar Series drivers Scott McLaughlin and Joseph Newgarden already in their driver lineups this season. And IMSA competitors have been pleased with LMP2's extension in IMSA competition through 2025 after it was announced that LMP2 machinery would continue to be eligible to compete in IMSA through 2025. Many of the competitors and teams competing in the second tier prototype ranks have been pretty vocal about their agreement with IMSA's decision and their ability to continue competing with the platform for at least the next few seasons. I know that LMP2 has really always produced some excellent racing, so selfishly, we're excited to see that as well. As always, you can read all about these headlines and more over on sportscar365.com. No listener questions this week, but as always, we appreciate you writing in your questions, and we always love answering them on the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on Double Stint, be sure to post it in the comment section below this episode, or take to Twitter or our other social media platforms, and post your question or message us there using the hashtag AskDoubleStint, and we'll put our heads together to answer your question in an upcoming episode. Well, Davey, let's quickly give everybody a preview of what's coming up in the world of sports car racing. I think the big one on the docket is uh, stateside up in Sonoma. It's Fanatec GT World Challenge America, powered by AWS, Pirelli GT4 America, and GT America, powered by AWS. I guess we'll start with GT World Challenge. Uh, five pro-class competitors, no K-Packs, though, to defend their title, and this is a bit of an interesting one. Although Ashton Harrison and Mario Farnbacher will be in the Racer's Edge Motorsport entry, stepping up to the pro-class from Pro-Am. Uh, and speaking of the Pro-Am class, a series high 12 Pro-Am competitors this season. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, K-Packs, they're uh, moving back over to, to Europe, of course. They're going to be competing in, in the uh, GT World Challenge Europe Endurance Cup. Uh, and the weird thing is we, we've seen how you know dominant K-Packs have been in that championship in the last was two seasons, I believe. So in a way, it's almost interesting to see them go. So now we've got Conquest Racing, RS1, MDK Motorsports, Bimmer World and the aforementioned uh, Racers Edge pairing of Ashton Harrison and Mario Farnbacher could be really interesting. You know, these teams, I think, based on just on on the surface level, I think they're it could be a very very interesting season in terms of the battle for pro class. But keep an eye on Pro Am because some of the drivers in that class, it's going to be fireworks. I've got them listed here. I just went through the entry list. Some of the the pro drivers are going to be involved. We've got Colin Brown now. He doesn't need an introduction. Ross Gunn, Aston Martin factory driver. John Edwards, BMW factory driver. Brian Sellers, Corey Lewis, Daniel Morad, Jan Halen's in there, Spencer Pompelli's in there. Keep an eye on that Pro-Am class because that's going to be some good stuff. 
Oh, absolutely. It's going to be a really, really exciting weekend of racing in Sonoma. And as is the case with GT World Challenge, we'll get two races in the same weekend. So we're very much looking forward to that as well. Uh, but don't forget about Pirelli GT4 America and GT America as well. GT America partnered with the NTT IndyCar Series for their opening couple of rounds in St. Petersburg. But this is the season opener for GT4 America, where we have 43 cars uh, to kick off the GT4 America season, a packed grid, uh, but plenty to look forward to in Sonoma. How do they fit them all into the into the paddock? You start to think, because that's a lot of cars. <laughs> There's a lot of cars and a lot of paddocks, but uh, we're, we're certainly excited to see it. Of course, you can follow along on all the action on sportscar365.com, as well as NLS Round 2, which is also kicking off this weekend. Well, that's it for us this week on the podcast. If you have the time, we'd greatly appreciate a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. It really helps out the show. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you're tuning in from. For Davey Overma, I'm Jonathan Grace. We'll see you right back here next week for another edition of Double Stint.